Welcome to Crazy Mom Study. I'm Leslie Rivera. I have a doctorate of physical therapy in Southern California, a degree that I continue to be proud of because I earned that degree when I went back to school having two kids. And now we're continuing my mission to share tips and perspectives from as many people as I can. I'm going back to school as a mom and chasing crazy goals when you have kids and we all feel a little bit stressed out and unbalanced happens to the best of us. So today I'm actually bringing in my childhood best friend, Miss Erin Vogel. She's one of the inspirations for me in getting back to school, has been there to convince me the whole time I was going to be able to do this and accomplish this dream. Um, on top of that, she helped me with stress relief throughout it, making sure I got girls time, let me rant to her. And then if you're also interested, she is a wildly accomplished woman in her own right. She's the vice president of her family's company. And she also drives fancy race cars in the GT World America Challenge. I said that wrong. <laughs> GT World Challenge America Racing System. And has some awesome titles to her name, including being one of the first women to win an amazing trophy. So you can definitely ask her about that too. But I brought in my best friend on this one because she got to see how I handled my stress and maybe is aware of some things that I wasn't aware in the moment. And also because she is so accomplished on her own, in her own right, how what helped her stay driven and how did we help each other through this whole experience. So welcome, Erin. Hi, Leslie. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm really excited to chat. All right. So... Um, do you remember way back in the day when I was still applying to school and I found out I was pregnant with Emma after I submitted applications? I went through that whole phase of thinking, okay, I just applied. I'm going to have a second kid. I can't do that. <laughs> I do remember that time. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, you already had Landon, who was at that time a little over a year old. He was a little over right. a year old, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, that kind of had happened, I think, as a little bit of, su of a surprise while you were finishing up some prereqs because as a mom going back to school later in your 20s, you had to do a little bit of um, undergraduate work, if I'm correct, and to, to meet all the requirements to apply to the schools you wanted to go to. So, yeah, I yeah. remember that time there were a lot of question marks, I think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I knew when I first decided to go back to school, I kind of knew we were going to have Landon. He was, we got pregnant with him, not exactly when I was expecting it, but it wasn't unexpected. We were trying and I did know I was going to be doing prereqs and um, possibly going to DPT school with a kid, but I thought one kid was manageable for that. So I kind of wanted to start at this section because that was when I had multiple people telling me you should just wait another year. Some people telling me, are you sure you want to do this with two kids? Like, how are you feeling about it? And I spent a lot of time crying over the fact that I was pregnant, even though I know I, I knew I wanted a second child, but I spent too much time crying thinking this couldn't have happened at a worse time. And I bring this up with you because you were there to tell me, I think you can do it. Yeah, I remember we had a lot of conversations at that time about, you know, like, like looking at what you'd experienced with Landon and trying, you know, sort of understanding how babies were versus how, you know, Landon was just starting to move into that toddler phase and what that was like. And I remember like one of the themes that we talked about a lot was, you know, maybe if I'm going to have the second child anyway, and I know I want to do this schooling before I get too much further 
you know, down the line into my, wait, were we already in our 30s? I can't remember yeah, now. Yeah, we were, we were already in our 30s. 30s. <laughs> okay, well, so, so later into your 30s, and so there was a lot of, like, well, maybe if Emma's still a really little baby, that will actually be kind of easier because I can kind of tote her places or she's just, you know, not going to have the same energy, like, as a toddler would have, you know, and I'm hardly going to have the one toddler, but then there was, like, a lot of questions, like, yeah, but, you know, sleepless nights, you know, is that, how is that going to affect things? Um, yeah, which, not great. You know, little did we know <laughs> that, great. yeah, that, I mean, little <laughs> did we know that you were maybe going to be having sleepless nights for schoolwork anyway, but I'm sure that didn't help. So, yeah, I remember at that time there were a lot of conversations um, around that, and somehow the decision was made, yeah, that, like, maybe doing it while Emma was really small and getting feedback. Oh, I think it was because there was a uh, lot of information about how the first year of your program was going to be the most intense year. Mm-hmm. There was, um, yeah. And so maybe trying to do that while she was still very young. And I think maybe the other consideration was, you know, trying to get all of this feeling because you knew that would be the busiest part of your career as a DPT, getting it out of the way while your kids were really young. So mm-hmm. that then when they got to school age, you'd have more time to spend with them on their you know, as they got involved in activities and things. So, yeah, there were, I mean, there were a lot of, like I said, a lot of question lot. marks at that time. There were. Um, that was just something that I appreciated having a good friend to talk about the whole time. Um, I had a couple good friends. I had you, and I also had um, our friend Megan available to talk about because one of the things that really stuck out to me was, yes, as supportive as my husband is, you know, we were older when we got together, whereas you were somebody that we went to school together with. We've known each other since elementary and since high school. So having someone like you say, well, you can balance a school program, you can do it. It's okay. This is somebody who knows that side of me. This is somebody who saw me learn how to be a mom to Landon. And there was an extra level of trust. Well, maybe not extra level of trust, just a different type of trust. It was a different perspective. And I think that combination of hearing it from you and hearing it from Mike was kind of a, okay, take a deep breath. Like, these are two people who know me better than anyone else. I, I think I can. I really think I can. And so that was something that was really exciting. Um, and also, at the time I was doing this, I mean, this was when you were just starting to get into racing more, correct? Like, you were yes. just starting to decide, do I make the push and go... <clears throat> yeah, I what so what year did remind me did you start? Um, I your started program? in two thousand seventeen. Seventeen, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I was starting to spend more time racing. I was still club racing at that time, but I was trying to learn and get better. Um, and I don't really remember what that was. Bef- kind of before the other trajectory that I didn't really expect to happen, which was to go into the more professional side of racing. But yeah, I think that helped too. You know that both of us were like, okay, well we're gonna have you know, we both have goals now that we want to achieve, and yeah, there are things that maybe people typically choose to do when they're younger, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, we're both realizing with maturity, the maturity that came with being in our 30s, that you don't have to be younger to do those things. It's probably easier. There are a lot of other things that aren't on your plate yet, but yeah, so I think there were a lot of conversations, too, about those sorts of things, like, you know, well, it's not too late, it's, you know, we're still young, and, you know, we can, we can do those things, even if we're not, you know, like, even if people were going to go, oh, really, why are you doing that now, you know, what, you know, well, how did you make that decision, like, that's going to be really hard, and like, yeah, it is going to be hard, but yeah. I know that going in. Exactly, yeah, I think that 
honestly doing this in our 30s did add that level of maturity and that we had to have a little more forethought and a little more planning in what we wanted to achieve. So maybe memorization is not as easy to pick up or in your case that crazy rapid reflex thing is not as easy to pick up when you're older. But I think we're also a lot more prepared for the sheer volume of work that can go into something because we had work experience, we had challenges before. So that aspect was kind of cool going into it as older individuals making those changes. And lots of conversations about how, you know, I think both of us had a similar experience that when we were younger, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. We had some ideas, but had a lot, maybe too many ideas about what we were passionate (laughs) about, but didn't know how to choose one or, you know, didn't sometimes felt that the things we kind of thought we wanted to do didn't fit the pattern of the life we thought we were supposed to have or something along those lines. And we got to our thirties and went, well, that's kind of all BS. Like we can make the choices that we want to make. So I think it was easier too for you to make that choice because you're like, no, this is what I really want to do. Like I am passionate about this. I can make a difference in people's lives. And that's, that's what you really had wanted to do, I think, mm-hmm. you know, was to do something that would allow you to make a difference in people's lives. And so I think that made the decision easier to, to know that, well, then to know that you had choices, you know, to do, you were like, I want to do this thing that I'm passionate about, but also I have choices if it doesn't work out, I can put it on pause. I just don't want to do true. that now. Yeah. And, you know, just because I got pregnant again, doesn't mean I need to put it on pause now. That's definitely true. Um. I mean, because you were there for my career right beforehand. Um, it was this great, I think they call it corporate interior design, but really mm-hmm. they're focused on selling furniture for offices, things like that. And it was actually kind of nice. I know a lot of people don't have that luxury, but I had this luxury of when I left that job knowing I would be welcomed back with open arms. So really when I found out I was pregnant with them and I just applied to school, I always had that safety net of, that job it wasn't I wasn't passionate about it I can honestly say I probably wouldn't have stayed there for years upon years or the rest of my life per se but it was nice feeling like I had a cushion something to support me if it didn't work out and then of course there's always reaching out to you okay if this fell through what do I do do I get a job things like that so I mean it was just this nice feeling like I wouldn't be left there trying to figure it all out by myself that was a big deal um There's another actual anecdote that I really wanted to talk about with you because, okay, so we got to my very first anatomy test in PT school. So it was anatomy. It was notoriously hard. I mean, the level of detail you have to know is crazy. I was sleeping an average of two to six hours a night. I'm completely broken because Emma was still waking up every two hours to feed and nurse. And I was sleeping on the couch because I was just not able to stay comfortable in bed. It was just a nightmare. I was studying like crazy and I totally flunked that first test. And a huge part of that was my own fault because I remember looking at that test and thinking, wow, those words are swimming. Maybe I should have slept (laughs) a couple hours (laughs) the day before. So that's one big study tip. Don't underestimate sleep because I got to that test and everything was swimming on the screen in front of me and I was so tired. Um, Then I had a complication where we had a software malfunction and some of the answers that I know I put correct actually literally did change. That was a whole debacle with the school, but long story short, I got a very low D on the test, which is grounds for getting kicked out of a doctorate program. And yeah, so I remember coming home, bawling to my husband, 
panicking. And that was, again, I got to call you and say, this happened. What do I do? And you came over and sat with me for ages with all my flashcards in front of me because not only did I have to go back to school knowing I just flunked, I had a practical the next day, an anatomy lab. So same information, but this time with an actual human body in front of me. Um, do you remember that at all? Or do you have any thoughts about how I got through that? I do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, you know, I think in starting anything, you're going to have that kind of a learning experience. I think it was just amplified so much by the fact that you had a newborn and a, a toddler. Um, and Mike was working night shift at the time. So about that too. Yeah, yeah. And I think like midweek, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was in the middle of the week. So he was not available to help with middle of the night stuff with your newborn. So yeah, I mean, it was like a lot. And, um, and I think, you know, I think a learning experience was probably bound to happen anyway, because you, you know, it was a new program and you didn't know what to expect from the exams and that sort of thing. But yeah, I just remember like, I don't think I remember ever you ever being like, I can't do this, though. I think you were just like, how do I do this better? And, um, you know, and I saw, I mean, because, you know, I always did pretty well in school, but I never was organized the way I saw you when I came over and you had all your flashcards. I was like, holy girlfriend, like, you, you're going to be fine. Trust me. I can see what's all going on here, and you've got a system, and you're going to make it work. You just need to, you know, figure out the balance of all the things. So, yeah, I mean, I don't remember the specifics of that, but it was nice, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky too in that, um, I was able to, I was nearby and I was able to come over right away and I was able to, I have a pretty flexible schedule because of my family's owning its own business. So, you know, I think I probably, I don't remember that specific conversation if it came up, but I think I had been offering pretty regularly, like, if you need me to watch the kids, if you need me to be there, you know, like, I'm, I'm happy to help because I know you've got a lot going on in Mike's schedules kind of all over the place. So, you know, I think there was a, some bartering maybe. <laughs> um, there was a lot. There was even times that you had to really push me to and remind me it was okay to ask you to babysit. And yeah. still sometimes when I ask for babysitting, I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel so bad. Like, this is something I know some people, like, you pay good money for babysitters. And here I am going, um, you're my bestie. Can you come help me out? <laughs> Well, which was, I mean, in a way, it was a little bit selfish of me, too, because I'm single, and I didn't know if I was going to ever have kids. At this point, I still don't. I probably, I, I'm kind of thinking at this point that I won't. So I was a little selfish of me, too, to be like, I'll babysit the kids, because it was sort of like my vicarious, living vicariously through you to have some baby time. So, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it worked out for both of us. So Perfect. that we were fortunate in that, too, I think. Yeah. Um, then there was then there were some other ways that you actually helped me through school that I think might have been less obvious unless they were actually intentional. I don't know. Maybe you did this intentionally. Maybe you did it just on accident. But there were a number of times. So I would be working through a new subject, learning something interesting, and you have that natural curiosity of asking a million questions. But sometimes you'd like really drill down into, okay, so how does this work? How does that work? And I'd be going through and breaking down. And then now looking back, I'm starting to really wonder, were you doing that? Because, I, hey, I want to know. And now, now you just know all your, your muscle innervations really well because I asked you 50 questions on them. Or was that a total, I'm just, I was just curious. And, hey, positive side effect, you just studied it more. 
That's really funny. No, that uh, you give me way too much credit. That was not intentional. <laughs> I wish I was that smart. But no, I just I have a weird fascination with the human body too. And um, I actually envy you a lot for making the choice that you made. Uh, I mean, I'm the queen of saying to people it's never too late, but I do feel like it's probably too late for me to explore any pathway like yours. I'm a, well, I'm approaching it from a different side now through the fitness yeah. angle. But um, yeah, I've always had a weird fascination with the human body too. So I was like legitimately, genuinely interested in what you were learning. And again, it was an opportunity for me to live vicariously through you a little bit and like learn some things, um, which I think is one of the cool things about our friendship and you know, that we both have a natural curiosity about things and we want to have those high level conversations mm -hmm. about like lots of things. So it was easy to, and I mean, I, you know, I saw the posters on your wall and your flashcards, like I said, and I was like, this is cool. What is this? Tell me about this. So, so yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause that was a really good way that actually helped me study a lot sometimes was just to go through it. Like, Oh, okay. So you have pain in your calf muscle. So we're going to break this down and just you ask me question after question and to this day I'm really good at treating shin splints let's just say that <laughs> for sure <laughs> that one stuck um, and then I can actually even apply it to other things as well so this is kind of a woohoo go me like power moment but um, so with a whole race cars things like that you started talking about okay well I changed my own tires okay so I learned this about the car okay so I've done this work on my car and I'm sitting there going I hate that I am a stereotype of a girl and that my husband does all things car related. And then it came down to we're doing some work in our backyard and we were taking out a wall. Well, first step, I got to swing the sledgehammer because my husband sprained his ankle. So I started swinging the sledgehammer. I'm like, oh, I can swing a sledgehammer. Okay. So I started doing that. And then again, I have this example in front of me of like, okay, so I learned how to use, I don't even know what you use to change a tire, but I remember you telling me about equipment. I'm sitting there going, okay. Well, I have this pillar. Do I use the jackhammer? Do I do what? It's a cement-filled pillar. And just having somebody to talk to who's also trying to learn new things on that, I was like, if she can do this, I can go learn how to use a demolition hammer. So, fun side story, I have officially now rented a demolition hammer and taken out a concrete-filled pillar. So, girls, like this is seriously coming back to just talking to each other and supporting each other through goals because you never know what you're going to randomly learn so true and I think like the good lesson to take away from that too is like don't be afraid to ask questions about things even if you really don't know what you're asking um, because and especially if you're I mean just I know that's it can be difficult sometimes but like especially if you have to ask the questions of men if you mm -hmm. know they know the answer just ask you know right. I mean and sometimes it's just going to Home Depot and being like I think this is what I need is this what I need show me the options you know or whatever the thing is and I kind of had to do the same thing with cars like okay I need to do this and I need to do that how do I do that and you know you know what are the tools because I think that's the hardest part for us as women we're not exposed a lot to like tools when we're younger typically and so you don't even know like that there can be a tool for that that's true that's definitely true yeah yes <laughs> so but I think the big lesson to sum it up is just ask and if they yeah. judge you you know that's a them problem and not a you problem yes. so just always remember that that that's a reflection of them and their prejudices or their weaknesses or whatever and it's not a reflection of you because you're out there trying to learn something and that mm -hmm. is really laudable so that's true and yeah. actually it also has helped me be a lot less angry about the current trend of fighting mansplaining or whatever they call it which yeah I get it it can be really annoying when somebody interjects and starts over explaining 
something, and it is often based on just the fact of whether you're female or male, but through this career, through that experience at Home Depot and, like, renting a tool that they didn't think I could necessarily use, I kind of realized, well, sometimes the mansplainers are really interested in imparting knowledge, so if you can take a deep breath and just accept the fact that they have that attitude and listen anyway and listen for the information that's going to help you, who cares if they're mansplaining? It's annoying. I don't really <laughs> want to necessarily listen to an over-the-top explanation, but if that explanation is going to get me closer to where I want to be, well then, by all means, mansplain it to me. Um, it's happened when practicing things for physical therapy where I want to learn a technique, somebody's going to go over-the-top, over-explain a joint to me that I know inside, outside, upside, backwards. But if they show me a new technique to move that joint into better dorsiflexion, who cares? That 10 minutes of listening to them just became worth it. <laughs> I want to know this stuff. Yeah, that's totally true. I think in learning anything, you sometimes have to listen to a lot of things you already know mm -hmm. and just have patience with that. And sometimes they're going to be talking down to you. And again, just realize it's kind of a reflection of them and not a reflection of you. But yeah, there's usually still some nuggets in there. Yeah. I've experienced the same very same kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that hopefully I can kind of remember if I do decide to go into teaching myself. It's kind of that feeling of, well, what helped me learn? What what else helped? Um, kind of lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> but no worries. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's a really good point, too. Like, um, in, in the things that I teach, which are um, – I coach sometimes high-performance driving, and then I teach Pilates as well. It's very true. It's like mm – -hmm you know, okay, I, I do this thing, how, what do I do or what do I think about when I'm doing it and how can that help someone who I'm trying to talk to them about how to do it and they're struggling to hear it. So yeah, I mean, I think the more things you learn, the better you're able to talk about just other, I mean, everything in life too, you know, even if their subjects are kind of unrelated. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, also one thing that I've liked about an outside perspective is if we go ahead and circle it back to the Pilates, so you do instruct Pilates, I actually go to your classes, and one of the other things I've had to learn is theoretically my career makes me a movement expert. I spend all day long analyzing how people move, looking for those little ticks or hidden habits that give me clues to what they're doing during the day, how can I improve it, because an injury is an injury, but usually the injury is made worse by, you know, bad posture during the day. Or you might not notice it yourself, but you're holding the phone between your right shoulder and your right ear all day long, and you just don't notice it. Things like that. And so this is my career. I should know exactly what my body is doing in space. And then I go to Pilates class, and I have Aaron over here going, um, Leslie, Leslie, like, <laughs> fix this. And I'm like, yeah, now I'm so in my own head on what is next, what is coming next, or I get distracted by what other people are doing. And you have that outside perspective. To just bring back to, hey, pay attention to your own body. And that, to me, again, comes right back to this is where that outside perspective is sometimes really good when you're going through school. It's so tempting to think you don't have time to hang out with your girlfriend or hang out with anybody or take an evening off. But that evening off, you know, your girlfriend might be noticing, hey, you're working up about this. Like, let's go through it. Or how do I de-stress that outside perspective? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that totally. I think um, I think that's so true. Like the 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 couple of hours that you take to relax when you're super super busy, like whether that's just doing some me time or whether that's girl time, girlfriend time, 
like I think that pays forward so much because it sort of allows your brain and your emotions to reset maybe even your emotions more you know I used to always think everything was I'm such a kind of analytical person I'm always thinking about like well you know about the thinking level of things but I've been learning more lately about the sort of emotional level of things and I think that those those hours are really important from an emotional standpoint and I think I think in our culture too we don't always give enough credit to like the emotional stuff that's going on um you know we just sort of like tamp it all down and don't let it out so it's important to spend time on your emotional health and if girls night is the way to do it which often it is I think I think so yeah (laughs) because again we both like to have these kind of high level conversations and so I think I think it gets your brain thinking differently too you know you spend all this time with your nose in this one book and then you go and you kind of talk about another book for a minute um I think it brings a better perspective back to that that main book that you need to focus on right now um so yeah I mean it's important on so many levels to have have time with friends because they 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 bring new things into your life every time you spend time with them Mm -hmm. definitely definitely for sure and you know when it comes to emotions that's one thing that I struggled with this whole time was I kept feeling like I was an emotional mess when I was doing it I mean the first trimester of school, I cried a lot on my way to school because both my kids were scream crying at me for leaving them. My daughter was so young when I started. Um, and then, you know, I'm also there. I was having to deal with pumping between classes or leaving class to go pump sometimes. That weird schedule. And then I was dealing with constant exhaustion. And you know when you're tired, emotions are right under the surface. And I fought emotions a lot for the first year. I think I spent so much time fighting the emotions and trying to control them. And on top of that, everybody was talking in my ear, well, you must be tired. You must be sad. You must be this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really am. And I'm trying not to be. I'm trying to be strong. And I think there was a time when I realized, okay, I got to somehow let this out. And when I started accepting the fact that emotions are normal, they stopped being such a huge presence in my life. I think a lot of us are terrified of being seen as emotional because professionally we're told we're emotional. Like man is powerful, woman is emotional. And in school we're taught that we're the emotional, that we're the the empathetic ones. Did I say that right? You did. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We're often taught that we're the empathetic ones, we're the listeners, and men are the like tough, strong. Like we still see here all those norms, but I think we get kind of scared of our emotions and we have to learn to embrace them of, who cares if I'm the empathetic one? People who come to me right now for physical therapy have some emotions. So if I'm empathetic and my emotions help them, embracing that was just another level of doing better in school and doing better in my career. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think we somehow women particularly understand from a young age. I'm sure men do too. I just have to offer the female perspective because it's That's the only true. one I have. Yeah, I don't um, want to discount guys at yeah. all and I don't want to make it too stereotypical male female and just have to say it from my perspective I think the more I've learned the last year or two because um, in getting into pro racing I spend most of my time with men mm-hmm. so I actually think we're a lot more similar than most people give us all credit for the two genders okay um, I think it just shows up different in different ways because of our cultural findings or whatever um, let's see if I can come back from <laughs> from that little tangent to where we were um, but Oh, I think, yeah, I think particularly as women, though, we 
we sort of understand at this young age that there's like two paths for us. There's like, okay, be the nurturing, emotional mother figure or be this like hardened career woman. And so I think it's really difficult, particularly when you're young and you, because for some reason, I think young people get a lot more feedback. I, I, people love to, to give feedback to young people. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can be really difficult to understand that you can be a career person who also, you know, doesn't succumb to their emotions, but who like lets them come in and, you know, looks at them and goes, well, why am I feeling that way? And I think, I think that comes with maturity too, the ability to, to like experience your emotions and, and, and then also be analytical about the emotions and understand why you're having them. Um, so I think, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm kind of talking around something here maybe a little bit, but I think it, it is difficult for us as women to, to balance that. You know, I don't think it's not difficult for men. I think it is too because they're expected to not have any emotion ever. Um, true. Whereas That's we're true. sort of, we are given choices more these days than we used to be anyhow. But I think, I think what I'm trying to get at is that we all need to learn to meet in the middle a little bit and like men should, you know, use a little more emotion maybe and women should learn that they can be both mm -hmm. um, things. You don't have to choose one or the other. I think to be like a really fully fledged human being who is successful at a lot of things, you have to be able to do it all. And I don't mean for that to sound intense or like <laughs> difficult. I think you just have to like, it's just about acceptance really. Um, of like all of yourself. Yeah, that's true. I think, honestly, I think some of the up and coming generations are starting to embrace that more. Um, I used to think it was kind of cheesy that they're talking more about kindness in schools, that there's a lot more, okay, I'm gonna use kind of a term that I don't really agree with, but more of a touchy-feely environment. That's not really the word I want, but it gets the point across. But I think actually we are starting to see a shift of people being more open and honest and saying, this working in this way is going to help me. And definitely in the last two years, one of the positive sides of the pandemic is seeing how many people thrived with working from home and how many people really missed being in an office environment. I think it's those little things that are actually gonna help men and women meet in the middle because we both got a chance to be a little bit more independent and realize this helps me work versus this helps me work. And it wasn't about, well, men prefer cold office, women don't. It wasn't about, like, do you wear the suit and tie? Do you wear the skirt? Do you wear the pants? Blah, blah, blah. Like, all that crap we were so <laughs> caught up in. And now we had this wind-down time of just work from home, work your own way. Hey, by the way, all these up-and-coming generations are interested in gender equality, interested in not having to put everything into one or two categories. They're okay with gray areas. They're really into discussion. And so everything that I'm battling right now with, oh my God, I was so stressed out about being emotional because I didn't want to be the mom and the woman who's emotional and I fought it. I think that might not be a battle for us much longer. Wouldn't that be nice? I would love that. Yeah. For us to all un be able to to be better, have a better, have better balance between like the logical analytical side of our brain and the emotional side of our brain because they're both there. And interestingly, like one of the things that I've learned recently is that both the, log the like logical thinking side and the emotional side have to be present and have to work together for you to learn something because, True. because you learn a fact and then you experience it emotionally and that is what solidifies it in your brain. 
So you actually, that's what I think what I was getting at with the, like, you need to be both things to be like a whole person and to be like a successful person because you, you actually have to have an emotional connection with the things that you learn mm -hmm. for them to stick and for that, and for you to be able to build on that foundation. So you learn one thing and you connect with it emotionally and then the next thing comes easier because you already have that base. So, I mean, it's, it's actually just a part of our brains and our bodies. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I, I loved that about the kind of the reset. I hadn't thought of it like that, but like, you know, we went from wearing skirts or pants to wearing, everybody was wearing pajama bottoms and like, what a great equalizer the pajama bottom was. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <Like that>. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think it showed, and I think it, sh it was a time that kind of showed everybody that maybe we all needed more balance in our lives. Yes. And so, and it was a time that allowed us all to maybe look inward a little more than we had been used to. And so I think we're finding outward balance and inward balance, hopefully, a lot more as a society. And I think that will help people who are taking unconventional paths, mm -hmm. um, particularly. But I think it's going to help everybody. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and then something else I also wanted to get with was, get with, um, okay, something else I really wanted to get to. I'll talk the whole time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so something else I really wanted to get to was, when you have somebody else in your life besides just your immediate family, it is sometimes having extra places to escape because while we're talking about how the pandemic influenced things, I was just graduating when all of this hit. And my absolute hands down favorite place to study has always been a coffee shop. I don't do well with dead silence. I don't do well with constant interruptions. For me, the coffee shop had the perfect level of background noise easy access to snacks and always just a comfy in inviting place to me so I studied best there and I lost that completely when COVID happened and then I was trying to study at home and I was getting ready to prep for board exams which is a huge five-hour exam and kids would be constantly interrupting me when I was at home I literally even took a practice test with my daughter popping in and out climbing in and out of my lap me for snacks having to like tell her to go somewhere else because everything is timed and just kind of that level of stress when you have somebody who doesn't have all this that you can go to I showed up at Aaron's door with a computer saying I need to take a test can I please do it here <laughs> don't underestimate that power either that was amazing totally yeah and and also I mean again I think COVID gave me the flexibility too that I was like well I'm home so like come on over and use my house or like I'm home if you need me to come babysit the kids and you go sit in your car or mm -hmm. I don't know whatever needs to happen because I'm not, you know, I'm not a slave to my desk right now in the same way that I usually am. So yeah, that was a weird time for sure. I had forgotten that it fell quite like that where you were, you were studying for finals too, like the whole thing, like you were halfway through a term, your last term, I think, right? Yeah, I had four weeks left of DPT school. I had my final clinical rotation lined up and everything shut down. So our teachers were trying to figure out what do we do about finals. I am my research project because to get a DPT, you're supposed to participate in research. Ours kind of almost vanished. We salvaged it. I lost my clinical rotation and then I got told, hey, study for boards and you're not allowed to go to the coffee shop. Still bitter about the coffee shop the most out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but other fun things was having a friend who really knows that I thrive on caffeine and fidgeting with a hot beverage in my hand when I'm stressed out. When I showed up at your house to take that test, you actually were like, here's the tea. Did I? 
Oh, that's good of me. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I feel like you give me too much credit. (laughs) Okay, so maybe that's the girlfriend thing. You don't have to think about what I need because it's just kind of an innate, hey, we've always, we've taken care of each other since fifth grade, so you don't have to think about it. I just (laughs) got the tea going. Yeah, good. Okay, I'm glad I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any other things that you can think of during PT school or maybe when I was crashing that you can think of that kind of helped me through it? I mean, I just, I think our girls' nights, I I kind of remember, like, your first term, I mean, you had so much going on. We've already kind of touched on that with the newborn and and the first term all, you know, a lot of new things all at once. But I kind of remember you vanished a little bit, and I kept kind of being like, let me know if you want to hang out. I don't have time. I don't have time. And I think when you finally were like, oh, my God, I just need a girls' night, like, you finally got to, like, a kind of a breaking point. I mean, we had had little things here and there, but, like, we were going a lot longer between seeing each other than I was used to. And I'm one maybe one of my flaws is that I'm not always good about, like, being pushy when I kind of know maybe you need the girls' time because I want you to not feel like there's added pressure in your life. But um, I remember when we finally did start having, like, more regular girls' nights again, I think everything got uh, evened out a lot more. Um but, but also, I mean, yeah, you would vent and stuff, but, you know, I, I always felt like you seemed like you had everything very under control, too. And I know you didn't feel that way, but you, you always seemed much more level to me than you, than you were telling me that you felt. Oh, <laughs> so. I find that so interesting because I, I mean, I, inside, I just did not feel level-headed. I felt like all I did was complain. I felt like I let it get to me that I couldn't talk about anything else so that's nice to hear that I didn't torture you with PT drama no school drama no I mean god I would so much rather have that than like boy drama or something silly <laughs> especially at our age but no I mean you know if there was anything again I found it interesting and mm-hmm. I find I find not I found not only the subject matter of your schooling interesting but I just find human beings interesting and like what we go through and what we're dealing with so you know it was kind of you know it was always good for me to hear that because otherwise I'm just sitting over there with my own problems too so you know it was important for both of us I think to be able to have those times so I do feel kind of like when you say you didn't know when you should push me for the hangout time it's you know this might be totally different for someone else and again that just comes down to how you know each other but for me I felt like you did a really good job of letting me figure out what I needed when I needed it and I was so grateful that I didn't feel the pressure like I was letting you down as a friend when I couldn't hang out or when I couldn't process hanging turning around to to hang out and if anything like yeah once we got back into it I was like oh my gosh you probably need this too where have I been I haven't been listening but even when I was kind of going through that, you were already telling me, it's like, I'm just so glad you're back and it's all good. It was, that part was helpful. But definitely, I think just sometimes maybe having a code word for checking in of, do you need me to push you or do you need space? That would have been a great idea. We should have probably done that. <laughs> That's a great idea now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably still forget to do that, but. Totally. We will. <laughs> we'll come up with a code word. One day you'll use it and be like, oh, damn. That mean. Yeah. That meant something too. Yeah. Yeah, what am I supposed to do right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, why is she texting me about bananas? I'm so confused. Oh, there we go. I like the code word banana. That was just a quick thing that popped into my head. Don't ask. <laughs> That's okay. I get it. 
probably because that was the thing that came into my head the one time I had to be on like severe medication. So apparently my brain likes bananas when I'm your brain likes in a bananas. moment. Okay. Yeah, sorry, okay. you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to keep the banana pro- banana part in. You can keep the code word part. That would be okay. <laughs> People will understand us a little bit more. <laughs> yes, you may come and get your Lego satellite. Okay. Okay. Hi, cutie. Wow. Well, I think this might be our cue that we should probably wrap up. Yeah. I would say the natives are going wild, but I think my kids just want some love and attention from Auntie and Mommy. It's been time. Yep, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. I hope it wasn't too rambling. This is what happens when the best friends hang out. Things ramble. All right. And with that, we'll catch you all later. Bye, 